It's June 1st. This is Accelerate Daily. Today, we've got Japan's moves on copyright and what they mean for the intellectual property space as an AI battleground. OpenAI talks about their future plans, GPU constraints, and yeah, I guess the end of humanity if we're tracking with the cover of Time magazine. Also, a prompt workshop on using generative AI tools to summarize things. Get your hand away from that abort button. It's time for Accelerate Daily. And liftoff. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Adam. I'm Mackenzie. Good morning. And we're back with three headlines and one how-to to to keep you caught up on what's happening in AI today. Mac, what are we looking at for today's AI image of the day? This is a hippie that's like super crazy. But to me, he's just a regular hippie. Uh, This is the Joker as a hippie. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, not far off a regular hippie. (laughs) With that Joker vibe, like, I feel like you're up to no good. Anyway, part of a series containing a bunch of DC superheroes. Uh, There was no prompt for this one, but the title shared on Reddit was Batman, Joker, and other DC characters as hippies. Pretty brutal. Check it out. Yeah. The The Flash is funny. The Flash, yeah. Or, yeah, Thor just looks... Oh, Captain America. Like, a lot of them just look like deadheads, right? Yeah. This is wicked. I would hang out with these guys. (laughs) (laughs) 10 out of 10 would hang out. Okay. Uh, so we, before we jump into the topics, a reminder to like and subscribe wherever you're watching and listening. Throw in a comment, write a review. These all help us reach the right audience in the algorithms and feeds so we can keep answering the questions that community brings to the table. Okay, let's jump into the topics. Out of the gate with the heavy one, uh, is AI an arms race? This is uh, the cover of Time magazine that says, the end of humanity with AI and humanity highlighted so the other link is to time magazines the the lead article ai is not an arms race which really isn't as scary as everything i had to (laughs) click to find it (laughs) which is a little bit just the state of journalism but also like it shows the overton window on the conversation which is the thing just six months ago we were having completely different conversations with compliance officers at companies as well which is like it's bananas to watch just the explosion of like, oh yeah, this is maybe a problem. <laughs> but the article itself is about the idea of whether or not this is an arms race or like something different. So my takeaway from this article is I'm pretty sure this was written by like a PR company because it aligns so well with the mission or the statement that we were talking about yesterday from Safe AI, which is just like identifying AI as a threat. They're not actually talking about what the threats are in the article at all. There's no concrete examples. They're just like scary words, scary words, scary words. And so, you know, the kind of the the metaphor at the end of the day is that we as humanity are all standing on a very thin pond, frozen pond, right? Thin ice. And there's a pile of treasure on the shore. And if we all move slowly together, we'll get to the treasure. But if somebody sprints ahead, they might break the ice and doom us all. LOL, says the sprinter, LMAO. <laughs> right. Right? Like there's no... How do you disincentivize? It's it's an infinite prisoner's dilemma. How do you, without communicating with the yeah. other prisoner, disincentivize their behavior? And the answer is you can't. I mean, the reality on this one, and 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 maybe this diff, not maybe this for sure differs from uh, like a nuclear arms race because it's really hard to make a nuclear weapon. Like the science, the, t- the technical engineering of building the thing and having it actually work, a feat of engineering difficult to do. 
Digital stuff is just, oops, I copied and pasted a bunch of secrets into a Discord. So thing I wrote, I, you know, it, it definitely feels like the, hey, we need to worry about this sector of the hype machine is running. The note I wrote as I was reading this was like, there, there was a point, there was a thought-provoking point in there for me, which is, this isn't a race because it should be a collaboration with the realization that there's a third agent. Nuclear proliferation is up against physics. Uh, this is up against this agent that we're talking about coming online that's way super smarter than us, <laughs> uh, that has its own potential incentives, creating negative pressure against whatever, or, you know, influence, I should say. I want to call it negative pressure in one direction or another. It's like if nuclear energy could go, yeah, could, could actually say to you, yeah, but nuclear energy is good. It's good. <laughs> and everyone goes, okay. <laughs> I, it's, it's so, in that sense, it is a weird, different thing. Yeah. The end of humanity, it's like all technology. It makes humanity different in some kind of way. There's something very like Landian about it, right? Like it's like that argument of like, there's a third agent is like, oh, there's something that's like invading us from the future that doesn't exist yet. Replete with sinophobia. They specifically call out a Chinese lab for not caring enough about ethics or safety. And that would be the person sprinting ahead. Yeah, that's the part of it that's hard, right? Because it's like, it runs into the definition of intelligence problem, right? Can you hold two opposite thoughts in your head at the same time? Both things are happening. There's a race condition. It's going to be based on open source software, blah, blah, blah. And you can try for enforcement, but it's going to look like trying to shut down Napster. And then there's the side of like, do you need to have a license to continue to develop something like this? And that's, that's why this feels like a PR thing, because they don't identify any specific dangers. They just say, this is dangerous. Again, like repeating that same talking point, right. uh, talking point from safe.ai, which it didn't identify any dangers. And a lot of people have questions, because um, I, I posted that story to TikTok, and a lot of people were like, why would an AI want to harm us? That's not being talked about in this part of the hype cycle. Nobody's identifying what the actual danger is. They're just like, oh, it's smarter than you, so watch out. It's, it's almost like they're so not sure, or, or they so don't believe what they're saying about this being dangerous that they can't point to anything concrete that would back up their claims. It's almost like that. It's not quite like that. I think right. they do believe this, but it, it has that vibe too of like, just sources, trust me, bro. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's trust me, bros, all the way, all the way down, unfortunately. <laughs> this one is thematically linked. Copyright is a battleground. Uh, from technomancers.ai. Japan goes all in. Copyright doesn't apply to AI training. This was a, a doozy to verify because you had to click through to Japanese Ministry of something and it was not in English. Translate buttons are magical. But there's a summary right here. Anyway, they've come out and said that like, there's no copyright protection with regards to using intellectual property in your training data. Mm -hmm. uh, there's another case in the U.S. going on right now. Getty versus, I think, Stability over Stable Diffusion, which feels like it might play out differently. But this is an example of the aforementioned race condition problem, right? Because if I want to sell albums in Japan or I want to publish MP3s in Japan, I have to realize that they're going to get scooped into an algorithm where a thing might, you know, whatever, right? Also, Japan is generally savvy on this kind of thing in terms of 
winning a wave of technology uh, yeah, enabled yeah. commerce. Japanese W. <laughs> they do this all the time. <laughs> yeah. One of, one of my favorite Japan jokes is like, <laughs> you're in, in the Yamaha store and you're like, this piano is great, but do you know where I could get a chainsaw and a motorcycle? <laughs> and they just, <laughs> yeah, Japan's wicked. This is, I think, the correct <laughs> take personally um, because it, like we we do, like the metaphor that I like to use is like an agent. And so if we're thinking about a, a human person and they're reading manga and then they're like this is great i love manga i'm gonna go make some manga they only do that after reading it and then they interpolate all of the things that they've seen before in their new creation so if that is a right for like a human creator i think it should also be a right for a machine creator to just be able to read source material and then be inspired by it yeah that's that's honestly the most common thing i find myself saying when i'm involved in conversations about this stuff this forces you to look at the fact that that's not dissimilar from what it is to learn to graphic design as a professional, right? You go to school, you read books. I have some in the other room from my experience in art school where you just go, hey, this is a type of thing and that's a type of thing. And then it's all connected. That's what the textbook is talking about. And then that evolved to this and that evolved to that. And graphic design is one of my favorite because it includes like lithography didn't exist at one point and then it did. And there was an explosion of cool stuff put on posters, <laughs> you know? But this is an example of the battleground, right? Where it's like, the race condition is not as scary as I need to talk to you about paperclip machines that turn us all into goo. But there are legitimate things here where economic leaders are going to go, yeah, we're just going to, we're going to, and and then there's a legit reason on the level of, it just, it gets weird because it's like, okay, then does, is that the agent has rights? Can it sign a contract? <laughs> I think I think it's that I have rights as the operator. Right. And that makes it more like building a website or like a social network in totally. that sense, right? Hosted content is a part of it that you maybe don't own. OpenAI has plans. <laughs> this one from Human Loop. OpenAI's plans, according to Sam Altman. Sam came and talked to them and kind of laid out some of the OpenAI stuff. I left the one bullet point in here because I thought this one was, was interesting. OpenAI is heavily GPU limited at present. Even at the size that they are, they don't have the access to compute that like Microsoft and Google do to solve uh, scalar problems in the development of their next model. That's a real concrete problem, no? Yes. Uh, the unavailability of GPUs. I'm like I'm looking through the article. There's some specifics that I would like to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Please. I think that we have time. Um, yeah. So he is like they're just they're basically announcing like what they're working on, right? So it says right here, OpenAI is heavily GPU. Yeah, exactly what you're talking about. So in what respect are they GPU limited? Are there too many people querying GPT four? No. The things that they want to do with this extra GPU availability, I desperately want them to do, which is more attention. I talk about when I'm like designing things or developing things for people, I talk about how limited attention is. I still don't have my 32K token context. And like, I'm probably like one of their top customers, right? So this is, it's like, there's just isn't enough GPU for like longer attention. What longer attention allows you to do is like do document QA over books, right? You could take like what recipe that you were looking for was like, let me take 10 years of tweets from my CEO and then turn that into like a, a tweet writer that in the style of this person. There's not enough attention available right now. Our maximum is 8,000 tokens. Uh, so he, he really wants to improve that to 32K, but they have, in research, up to 1 million. But it depends on having access to more GPU compute. Fine-tuning. 
like a lot of people are asking for fine tuning. This would be another really great example of what you're looking for. Taking those tweets and creating a fine tuned GPT-4 isn't available. has never been available. And it's because right. of the GPU bottleneck. And then also cost. GPT-4 is expensive, right? I had, um, I had a client come up. She does like online tarot card readings and mm-hmm. then wanted like an interpreter of the tarot cards for the GPT-4 to say, this is what these cards mean in combination. And um, when I told her the price, she was kind of like, oh, dang, I have to severely rate limit how often people can use my app, right? They get like one a day. So there's a lot of use cases that we want Which for this. Fair. Especially That's for how like, a horoscope works. <laughs> but, yeah, but tarot, tarot's different, right? You could do tarot as long as you want with different questions. So there's like art and leisure activity, right? Like it's, um, we're choked on GPU, which chokes what these machines can actually do for us. It has to right now, because it's so expensive, produce an ROI. So we're not able to use it to improve art and leisure throughout, you know, humanity. So that's kind of the roadmap. Cheaper, faster GPT-4, longer context windows, fine-tuning API in that order. And then he's also looking at rolling out a stateful API so that you don't, I don't have to do attention management anymore. Any thoughts on any of that? Um... They all strike me as necessary, but GPU one is interesting because that gets them off the hook to some extent, or or it establishes where they stand relative to competition on the at the level of improve the model so that the core thing everyone is paying to access is better. That's rough. And maybe this comes down to the there's no moat situation. Just they are not as big as Google or Microsoft. And so I like the partnerships start to make sense when you look at that part of it, I think. Yeah. Which is interesting because it's really concrete. Like this is literally, it's a problem of electricity and silicone wafers to run it through, which is also a good place to go buy picks and shovels. Yeah. Hashtag not investment advice. But everything else is him just like why combinatoring this this situation, right? Make it better for people to use it, use it doing, st- having a stateful API for the thing is just a matter of, deploying infrastructure that we understand pretty well from DevOps sense. Yeah. Yeah, having a database tied to a user key. Uh, so there's two, two more points to talk about here that are kind of exciting. Um, he said plugins, and this is why Combinatoring, like you mentioned, plugins don't have product market fit. So everyone was kind of like pogged under their gourd over like, oh, I can use ChatGPT and Wolfram Alpha together. And what Sam is noticing is that the, the uptake of these plugins, and I feel very validated because I was like, nobody's going to use that, right? Like the plugins that were available was like Expedia and Instacart. So you would say, hey, come up with like a 500 calorie meal for me and then order it. Doesn't happen. There's there's only like 100 people out of the millions of users that are doing something like that. So he's going to roll back on plugins. And what he said was, quote, a lot of people thought they wanted their apps to be inside of ChatGPT, but what they really wanted was ChatGPT inside of their apps. And then the final point is OpenAI has stated they will avoid competing with their customers on cases other than ChatGPT. So a lot of people were nervous about like, oh, I don't want to use OpenAI for any kind of like pipeline because then OpenAI could just run that. And he's like, we're not interested, right? We just want to do, we, we just want to be the platform. Which still has security considerations, but I think it makes a lot of people feel better in terms of the design space for doing startup things. Some of what they've said there validates what we're up to at Mission Control in terms of helping people use the tool. But yeah, past that, it's it's crazy watching how fast it plays out and the interest level. Like the hype cycle is so much louder than every other one because now all the modern tools exist like this <laughs> for us to talk about it. <laughs> but like I said, they're just startuping. Hey, here's what we're working on. Here's the roadmap. Here's what we're seeing in the data, which is everyone says they want to plug in, but you don't know. I talked to a, a product manager at YC once about something and they referred to... Uh, 
They referred to everything in product design past a point as fan fiction. <laughs> it's like past the point you're just going, we, I think the user wants, and it's like you're either gunning toward yourself yeah. or you're just making stuff up and you have to put things in market and test it. Yeah. People think they want plugins. Some of the power users maybe figure it out. But if enough people don't go use the plugins, then that aspect of it is you, you can it. You put those resources into developing a product feature that people do want. A specific uh, prospect comes to mind, which is a, um, a family-owned like jewelry store from Africa. You know, it's like direct-to-consumer jewels from like the African mines, right? So right. it's an African company selling African minerals, which I think is like cool, good on them. And they were like, "I need you to make me a plugin for ChatGPT so that people could buy my diamonds." And I was like, "You and every other diamond store, right?" So like, once it gets there, and you're talking to ChatGPT about this like supposed wife that you're going to marry, and you're buying your engagement ring. You have to pick from like a million diamond stores. So it doesn't make sense for you to pay me the five grand to build this plugin because nobody's like, it's not going to drive right. traffic for you. Like, I had the supposition that the plugin store would be like a new search engine, but I don't see that playing out. Yeah, I'll say where I've tried to incorporate it, it's not really like there are aspects where I think it makes sense if you're f- from like a ops standpoint. Like, there are places where you might want to plug in to make sure that, for example, Anyone on your team who's using the business edition of ChatGPT can only reference existing legal cases or something like that. But yeah, the idea of like trip booking through that interface, it sort of makes sense, but it sure has always seemed to me like it would play out more like this stuff just becomes some version of ambient intelligence, like layered into everything via tap of, you know, Evan Kelly's got a good book from like 2016 or something. The dream of like an everything assistant, which I think people want, they want to have like their one guy, Siri, Alexa, whatever it is. And um, like to do the thing for everything requires this attention breakthrough because to do tool formers for every activity, like if you are explaining, here's how to use the Expedia plugin and here's how to use the Hotels.com plugin and here's how to use Instacart and here's how to use gym membership and here's how to use credit card. All of that stuff. It's going to get rate limited by your ability to teach your team that ChatGPT can answer these questions. Like in a trustworthy way, which is kind of the whole mission control thing. To 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 allow the agent to select what API it needs to use, it needs to know all of the APIs that it has access to. So right. if you want like an Omni tool, you need a, like this one million token attention to access every tool. It, it is possible, but that's what kind of we're waiting for. Although it does sound like they're saying it's only limited by GPU capacity, so that's for real. Moving on to this ever-evolving segment that I'm now calling Prompt Workshop. So I can put like Bybee Wood in the background on the stream. Yeah, again, taking feedback on the fly from the people that are listening to this, uh, the people that we talk to on socials, wherever. They're like, no, I'm, 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 I, people, there are a lot of people right now still at the level of who do I follow to understand how to do these things? And I'm always sort of like, hey, here's a couple newsletters I follow. But you have to just play with it. And I don't think that's for lack of, of thought leaders to find to talk about this stuff or even like the void we're trying to fill. But the reality is like, you just kind of have to go play with the thing. But also, so many people are still starting in a place of like, there are no stupid questions. We decided to start breaking it out into some broader things that agents like this are really good at and then talk through in, in greater specificity like what that means in the sense of how stuff is, you know, taking shape. 
over time with this kind of stuff. I mean, we can go all kinds of deep if people are into it, but we're going to start at the top. So generative AIs, LLMs, uh, like ChatGPT, Bard, whatever the other ones end up being named as Amazon, et cetera, roll out their plays. Probably going to be Alexa, I guess. Cortana's done. We talked about that before. Anyway, they're really good at summarizing things. Talk about that for a sec. Uh, sure. Actually, I don't know how they do this, really. So like, just the general way that Transformers work is they are like a, they're good at like naive transformations of input to output. I kind of talked about this last time. I talked about Facebook's um, image bind. So it doesn't really matter like what you're tokenizing to put in. It'll, it'll make kind of a good output if, if the model's trained correctly. And GPT 3.5 Turbo and GPT-4 are really good at this kind of thing. So basically, um, it can take a document, convert it into a tokenized representation. So it's like a list of floating point numbers and then run some process on it. And these neural networks are so finely tuned that the output always makes sense. It always matches, right? So as long as you're able to take some text document, it can understand like this is exactly what's in here, but it can point out, it can discover the key phrases. Part of the neural network is able to find the key phrases. So it can cut out a lot of the fluff and only give you the key important points at the end. It's capable of this kind of naive subtraction of tokens. And it works really well, which is an interesting thing to the philosophical weeds conversation about it is, again, how is this different from humans and whatever, right? The ability to have a few documents, to write a document while you take some notes and then synthesize that into an explanation of those things. There's a lot of rote work like that that happens if you're a lawyer, for example. It's very mechanical. You take a legal writing class and they're like, use these phrases, do it in this structure. Here's the way that you do it. You don't pass if you don't follow the structure. Most of it is made up of citations from cases. That lends itself to a reconstruction without even really knowing what it's doing, right? Uh, A legal brief, just you can ask it for and it's pretty good at the structure and making sure that that stuff happens. It takes some tuning to get it to, it can write a brief for you. But no surprise that companies like the ones we've called out on here are raising money doing this in the legal space. It is surprising. I can't even talk to an investor. <laughs> How's everyone raising money? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, it is, it's totally capable of something like this. A, a similar product that I'm working on is like taking transcriptions of audio and summarizing I was going to say, so talk document. about it like in a marketing context, right? Like mm-hmm. what if you're a marketing manager who's trying to optimize, you know, this, what I'm doing on an ongoing basis is how can I optimize what's usually a situation of hiring a bunch of contractors to just write stuff for you? Well, I am literally in the middle of building um, this for us. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> right. We're taking, <laughs> we're taking, so what we do is we take our transcript of this, like Riverside, we get this as an MP4. And then that can go to Whisper, which is an open AI product that transcribes audio. Then that can be summarized. And hey, presto, you have show notes. So you've turned a half an hour podcast into five paragraph summaries. And then it's, you know, it's like a two minute read all of a sudden, right? And so that spreads the ideas, it spreads the news, and it's a more easily digestible thing that can go out as a blog post or it could go out inside of a newsletter, like, and in case you missed it section, this was today's show, in a way that's really easy for people to read from source material that is really difficult to read, which would be like a transcript. It's really good at picking out key details out of really poorly formatted stuff, which transcripts are because nobody talks the way that they write. Reviewing the transcript of a deposition and then turning it into something is this, usually done by an associate at a law firm. And then where this gets really cool is um, a semantic analysis. We could do another pass on the transcript. Instead of just summarizing it, we could say, 
what was the mood, <laughs> right? Could you vibe check this conversation and let yeah. us know if these people like each other? Oh, uh, that's, that's, that's goggles. <laughs> anyway, come back tomorrow for some stuff in the weeds on the same topic, like what it looks like to thread together summaries, workflows, and some of the stuff that Mac was just talking about. Yeah, I've got a very nifty flow chart for you guys. It's, it's uh, beautiful. You're going to love it. Definitely do not miss. Otherwise, uh, that's Accelerate Daily for today. Thanks to everybody for joining us. Like I said at the top, if you got something out of this, like, subscribe, even write a review. Uh, those metrics really go a, lot, a long way when it comes to reaching more people working on the future of AI and the people that we're trying to get to to have this conversation. So I don't have to do as much production work because if you ask questions, I'll just, we'll just answer them. Totally. And, and so if you can make the schedule work, jump in the live stream, get in the chat. Uh, we'll be sharing it out over Mission Control socials. So all of us there, that's where you find your stuff. Thanks for joining it, right? Like and subscribe and see you all next time.